down those cards. Fortune tellers! Cards mean different things at different times. Do you know anything about tarot cards? Oh, a crystal ball. Gather around, children. Listen to the mystics. <laughs> Journey. Podcast. I'm no mystic. Welcome to Tarot Tangents, our sideshow where we kick ass and take names. <laughs> This segment is all about debating, debunking, demystifying any and everything about tarot. So if you've got questions, stories, or just a good old rant you'd like to share, send it into tangents at mysticfooltarot.com. Shoot us over an email for a chance to be featured. Today is a short and sweet episode where we chat about three different origin myths of tarot that you may or may not have heard of. There are many different origin stories of tarot because it's descended from a variety of cultures and differing interpretations throughout centuries. Emphasis on centuries. If you want the detailed lowdown on the history of tarot, check out our first episode where we deep dive into the history and origin, true origin of tarot. Yeah, we want to emphasize that like this episode is about myths. So like you may have heard many different origin stories of tarot but on our last episode we really talked quite a bit about like the historical evolution of tarot where where it kind of started how it's kind of gotten to its current occult status of today and we're going to continue to deep dive on it but today is definitely about myths and stories that maybe you've heard that tarot came from um and we just kind of want to run through them because there's a lot of things in those myths that uh, maybe don't have any historical backing or are just kind of like a fun story someone told one day and it somehow stuck. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, there are many. We talked about the Mom Luke playing card deck in the earlier episode, and that's the official origin story. We have archaeological historical precedents for that being the true origin story. I think a lot of people are probably wondering why there are so many different kinds of origin stories for tarot. And I think that's for several reasons. First, because like divination has been around forever since the beginning of time. And especially cardomancy has been around since the invention of playing cards. The upcoming origin stories we will go through are based on some historical fact, but oftentimes, you know, Western cultures have just co-opted them to make tarot seem more unique or mystical. So, you know, that combined with the fact that the word tarot has appeared in many different cultures um, in different ways, and the patterns and art of the cards are mixed with many different myths and legends, that all kind of just makes for a messy history of the cards. But yeah, as Anna was saying, there's actually no evidence that you could present in court to prove tarot got its start in any of these cultures. <laughs> and we are taking them to court, baby. That is the, that is we the whole are. goal. <laughs> Let's, what's the first myth on trial, please? Okay, the first one, we're going to start out with the Egyptian myth, which we covered a bit in our first episode, but we're going to hop back and uh, recover it and, and point out even more of the inaccuracies of this myth. So, for example, the Egyptian myth, writer Antoine Court de Jebeline asserted that the tarot was based on a holy book of hieroglyphics written by Egyptian priests and brought to Europe by Romanis from Africa. The supporters of this Egyptian origin story believe that the word tarot is derived from the Egyptian words tar, tower, dharma, and ro, king or emperor, 
which together means royal and also refers to the correct decision-making power required to be a king. They believe that the tarot deck and tarot reading is born from the Egyptian Book of Thoth. The Book of Thoth was originally hieroglyphics painted on the temple to convey the will of the gods and resolve the doubts of the pharaoh. Later, the Egyptian dynasty was destroyed and the priests painted the hieroglyphics from the walls onto straw scrolls and escaped with them. And later, these were spread to Europe by the Romani people. This is just what the myth is and what people believe. It's mostly conjecture, right? Right. And people just kind of like, yeah, making things up because it like sounds cool and like vaguely historical. In our first episode, we did mention Dejebline specifically because he was releasing a collection of essays, which is essentially at that time period, similar to an encyclopedia. And he had a chunk of, he had an essay that like specifically talked about tarot. However, very key thing to note, when that was written and published, we still did not have deciphering of hieroglyphics. Mm -hmm. So, so he wrote a bunch of stuff about what tarot is, what it means, but we hadn't found the Rosetta Stone yet. We had not deciphered hieroglyphics yet. So he was just making things up in that essay about what tarot meant and where it came from. And at the time, like France was going through like a big Egypt craze um, because pretty soon after that was published, you know, like Napoleon was invading Egypt. And so they were getting artifacts and bits and pieces of information through, you know, the armies and the trades and then the usual looting of countries that people have wars in, unfortunately. But, you know, occultists like latch onto that stuff. And then they're like, oh, this is cool and esoteric. It's gonna, it, it'll like up my value. It'll, it'll totally like prove what, what I think is real, but it's not historically based, unfortunately. You know, I think we're all on the side that this is untrue. But the supporters of the Egyptian myth believe that the tarot is a hieroglyphic and numeric alphabet originally reserved for the high priests, expressing a primordial universal wisdom from which the various cultures and religions evolved. This claim was published in a series of books on tarot card theory written by Jebeline, as we've said, in 1781. In reality, tarot cards predated the presence of Romani in Europe who actually came from Asia rather than Africa. Regardless of its inaccuracies, Court de Jebeline's nine-volume history of the world was highly influential. Oh, boy. Yes, it was highly It's just so similar to American history, where oh. you, you go to school, you read the books, but then you get older and you read some other books, and you're like, hmm, maybe uh -oh. those original books, not quite as true as I thought. Yeah, yeah. This, I could unpack so many things with this, but you know what? We'll just leave it at the fact that Dejeveline made up his shit, and most of this is myth. Are hieroglyphics real? Yes. Did they say what he said they said? N no. <laughs> no. Let's just, let's just see it, leave it at that. There's too many twists and turns. This could turn in its own podcast episode if we kept me going down this tangent. <laughs> Let's save some of our outrage for this following Chinese myth as well. Oh, good. <laughs> the tarot shares analogies, uh, various analogies, with I Ching, the Chinese book containing ancient Chinese wisdom that can be traced back to more than 3,000 years ago. The I Ching, also known as the Book of Changes, 
is an ancient Chinese divination text that is still widely used today. It is believed to have originated in the Zhou Dynasty around 1000 BCE, making it one of the oldest books in Chinese history. The I Ching is based on the concept of the dynamic balance of opposites, known as yin and yang. It is, consists of 64 hexagrams, which are six line figures made up of broken and unbroken lines that represent yin and yang. Each hexagram has a specific meaning and is interpreted in the context of the question or situation being asked about. The random drawing of 64 hexagrams of I Ching is used as a traditional tool of divination. To use the I Ching, a question is first posed, then the hexagram is determined using a set of coins or yarrow sticks. The hexagram is then interpreted, often with the help of a commentary or interpretation guide, you know, similar to a tarot reader, to provide insight and guidance into the situation at hand. Go on, I'm still, I'm still not seeing the connection. <laughs> Today, the I Ching remains a popular tool for divination and guidance, both in China and around the world. Its enduring popularity is a testament to its deep insights and timeless wisdom. Similarly, the tarot uses a set of cards with symbolic images to provide insight and guidance. This combined with the fact that tarot cards have been exported and used in various parts of the world, including China, where they are sometimes used in conjunction with traditional Chinese divination practices, makes it possible that some people may have misinterpreted the history of tarot and its use in China. The fact also that playing cards as well as paper and printing are Chinese inventions lends credibility to the theory that most distant ordinance of the tarot should be sought in China. Okay, so this one solidly doesn't really have anything to do with tarot, aside from it just being a form of divination, uh, is what it sounds like. So I Ching Yeah, is, it's a reach. Yeah, it's a reach. It's super reach. Like, I Ching is way older than tarot and developed in a completely different context and culture. And while, of course, there are playing cards and and paper and printing were developed in China. Tarot, as we know it, really has no connection to this particular time and place or this other divination practice. It's just that's this seems like a super stretch. Like I could not find super anything stretch. that would yeah. super stretch. So this isn't one that I had really heard of, but yeah. Yeah, this is just it's definitely a stretch. That's for sure. So Chinese myth, nope, sorry. Moving on <laughs> to the Jewish myth. Here we go. So finally, the Jewish origin story. In Jewish, Torah means law. The 19th century occultist Eliphas Levi associated the tarot cards with the ancient Jewish esoteric religion of Kabbalah. Tarot and Kabbalah have a long-standing and complex relationship. Kabbalah is a Jewish mystical tradition that seeks to understand the nature of God, the universe, and the soul through a system of esoteric knowledge. I'm going to butt in here and note that Eliphas Levi actually renamed himself. Um, if you had listened to our first episode, uh, you'll notice that we mentioned a lot of French people who have been a part of Terra's history. Um, he is actually yet another French esotericist born originally Alphonse Louise Constant, and he transliterated his French name into Hebrew. He's doing that thing where like he's trying to rebrand himself, basically. He apparently was originally seeking to be like work in the Catholic Church, 
And when that like didn't pan out or didn't, I don't know why it didn't work out. We haven't deep dove into that, but he pivoted into the esoteric and occult and changed his name. Wow. We love a comeback story. <laughs> is that what that is? Uh, just maybe not this one. <laughs> maybe not this. Yeah. Mm. In the late 19th and 20th centuries, various Western esotericists and occultists began to explore the connection between tarot and the Kabbalah. One of the most prominent figures in this movement was the French occultist Alephis, or what do we say? Alphonse. <laughs> Al Alphonse yes, um, in disguise. Alphonse Louis. <laughs> so anyways, the French occultist who wrote extensively on the links between the two systems. The basic idea between behind the connection between tarot and the Kabbalah, both systems seek to map out the nature of the universe and the human psyche. The 22 major arcana cards of the tarot are often seen as representing the 22 paths on the tree of life in Kabbalah, which is a diagram that represents the levels of the different levels of existence and consciousness. Each major arcana card is associated with a Hebrew letter as well, which corresponds to a particular path on the tree of life. The cards themselves are also rich in symbolism and imagery that can be linked to Kabbalistic concepts and teachings. Furthermore, the four suits of the minor arcana in tarot, swords, wands, cups, and pentacles, are also seen by some as corresponding to the four Kabbalistic worlds or levels of existence. Hmm, okay. So it's sounding like Eliphas came in, or excuse me, Alphonse, Luis, came in and added the tarot connection to the already existing Kabbalah. Because there are a few different versions of Kabbalah, like many religions and spiritual practices you get different what i'll call evolutions but you know denominations in some sense like you get different versions of it over time as people come in and change things up and it kind of sounds like eliphas came in and added this tarot connection after the fact so it wasn't always the tarot wasn't always a part of kabbalah absolutely absolutely the the idea of it being an origin story is not true the fact of the matter is people have just sprinkled in a lot of other, you know, things from the Kabbalah into tarot history. It feels like we're hating a lot on tarot. We can still enjoy things and recognize the problematic nature of things as well. And do better moving on. <laughs> and do better moving on, that's for sure. And that brings us to the end of our very short tarot tangents for today, where we kind of covered three origin myths emphasis on myths <laughs> and uh, don't forget to subscribe leave a review if you're a fan of the podcast um we would love you to leave a review as well as like share this with other friends so we can find new fans to ask us questions that we can deep dive into or um yell at us on the internet as people on the internet love to do so tell your friends yeah yell at us rate subscribe leave a review and all of our socials, our handles are Sweet Death Inc. and Mystic Fool Tarot on all the platforms. So, see you later. See ya.